Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would fall afresh on us this evening. Melt us, mold us, transform us into the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And so we sing together. Spirit of the You may be seated. Tonight we welcome you to this Ash Wednesday service. Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent, which will continue through Holy Week. Would you join me in the responsive call to worship, the responsive welcome? The Lord be with you. And also with you. O Lord, open my lips. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians have observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. It has become one of the customs of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism, and the whole congregation was challenged to seek pardon in those areas where sin had found a place, to find reconciliation with God and with each other, and to renew their repentance and faith. In this way, Christians were reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we have to renew our faith. 
I invite you, therefore, in the name of the Lord and of his church, to observe a holy Lent, to pray and engage in self-examination, to read and meditate on the word of God, to make a right beginning to walk in newness of life, and to serve as Christ himself served. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. May these ashes remind us of our mortality and penitence and teach us again that only by your gracious gift are we given eternal life through Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Out of the dirt of the earth, our God formed us, fashioned us, and breathed into us new life. Let us remember that we have a God who forgives us our sins and forgets our failings. Amen. Blow the trumpet. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, including nursing infants. Let even the bride and the bridegroom rise from their nuptials. Gather everyone. And you ministers, Weep, pray to the Lord on our behalf, saying, Spare your people, O Lord. Don't let others look at us and wonder where you are, O Lord. Spare, O spare your people. says the Lord, yet even now return to me. Rend your hearts with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. O Lord, we turn to you. Turn now to us, and forget not your heritage. For you are God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Let us stand and worship. The ancient shofar was used to call the people of Israel into worship so that the Lord would show them the ways in which they were to walk. And so we sing together. Show me your
as we come to hear your word, speak your word. We come to receive the holy food. Strengthen us and mold us into your image, we ask. Sing together. Speak, oh Lord, as we come. these words be so in our lives, O oh Lord, as we journey through these 40 days of Lent. In your name we pray. Our gospel text this evening is from, the, from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, one of the most dramatic stories 
in the Gospels immediately following Jesus calming the, the storm on the Lake of Galilee. Read from Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there were on the hillside a great herd of swine, and they were feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. And then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the men who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my young friends posted a picture on Facebook a few years ago. And he asked, do any of you recognize this man? I looked at that picture for a long time. It was the picture of a man. I couldn't tell exactly how old he was. He had no hair on his head. 
His right eye was black and blue and swollen shut. He looked very sad and and depressed. And I kept asking myself, who is this young man? And I could not answer the question. There was something familiar about him. But there was also such a disfigurement of his face that I couldn't really recognize him. A few days later, he posted beside that same picture the picture of another man. But this man had hair. And there were no bruises on his face. And he seemed to be somewhat happy. He gained a lot of weight. He didn't look as emaciated and thin as as in the first picture. And, And he answered his own question. The picture is of the very same man. Whether you're looking at the left or the right, And he broke his anonymity in this posting and said, that's a picture of me. Pre-recovery and post-recovery. It was very strange for me because the picture of the young man was the picture of my nephew. Over many years, he had become involved in drugs and alcohol and destructive behaviors. And it had finally landed him in jail, where he pleaded with his mother to come and bail him out, but she refused for the first time. The result was that he did time in the jail, in the prison, in the county prison, And during that time, he began to read and to journal the Scriptures. And he began to watch the television evangelist on the television. And there was something happening within him. And what he found was that he was being claimed by the power of God. And he was beginning a process of transformation when he was released from jail He entered a 28-day treatment program of the Veterans Administration. And he became involved in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. And slowly but surely, a new identity began to emerge. It was no longer just an academic interest in religion. Rather, this was the story of salvation in his life. He had passed from death to life, from a destructive life whose body might show up in a morgue at any time. I listen to him to this day, and he's repeatedly telling how he's had to go to funerals of so many of his friends. I read my nephew's 
life story and looked at those pictures and measured those two pictures. And I could see the power of recovery in his life. He was a new man. It made me think of Legion. The story told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So you know it's an important story. Jesus had crossed the lake. We don't know why he crossed the lake with his disciples. But when they landed on the eastern shore of the lake at Galilee, just below the Golden Hills there, They were encountered, not too many feet from the boat as they pulled it ashore, they were encountered by a naked man who had been exiled from his community, from his village, who lived in a cemetery on top of the hill, in the caves, in amongst the tombs. He lived in the domain of death. And he bruised his body continually with stones and engaged in all kinds of destructive behaviors. And day and night, the gospel text tells us, he could be heard howling and shrieking. And he troubled everyone. He had been exiled, but they could not hold him down. They had chained him and shackled him, but he seemed to have supernatural strength. And when he saw Jesus and disciples coming up the hill, he came running toward them, and they must have been scared to death themselves. What's going to happen here? And the man shrieked in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you in, in the name of God not to send me from the country or to send us from the country. Jesus had already commanded, come out of him. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And that voice from deep within, that voice of the demon, of the demons, crowd out. We are legion. We are many. And you have come into our domain. And the Spirit pled with Jesus to send them into the pigs on the hillside. Can you imagine this? A big herd of pigs and Immediately, 2,000 pigs began to squeal and to run down the hill into the lake where they were drowned. And the villagers came out to see what had happened. And what they saw was Jesus standing there with his disciples looking on. And the man who was formerly legion was now clothed and in his right mind. 
wanting nothing more than to be with Jesus and to follow him. We must handle these stories carefully. I would not want to suggest to anyone who has trouble with mental illness that they are demon-possessed. Nevertheless, all of us know that we live in a spiritual environment which is a mystery to us that we do not understand. Some of us don't understand our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own actions. And we long for nothing more than to discover inner peace. That sense of integration, of wholeness, and we have some confidence that that can be found only in God. And we're grateful for all the agencies of care, of therapy, of modern medicine, and all those things that help people who are troubled with disordered thinking, who hear voices who see things and places and people that we do not see and who self-abuse and who need to be touched and healed to receive the peace of the kingdom of God. Years ago, when the movie was very popular called The Exorcist, I didn't see the movie, but I read the book, and it was terrifying. The story of Regan, demon-possessed little girl, and the rite of, of exorcism administered by a Roman Catholic priest who was a psychiatrist. It's a very troubling story. I thought, I wanted to be relevant. I wanted to talk about what the biblical text was saying, and didn't know exactly how, but... I got into this, and at the sermon's conclusion, I was encountered by one of my dear friends, an older man, highly educated, very sophisticated, and said, in your sermon today, Jerry, I did not hear one word of God. But only in your pastoral prayer. He continued to like me. He didn't leave the church. But it reminded me of how difficult it is to preach on anything related to the supernatural, to the spiritual environment in which we live. Because most of us function in a highly rational, materialistic world where we have no room for the supernatural, for the spiritual environment in which we live. And Jesus encountered this wherever he went. We begin the season of Lent this evening. This is Ash Wednesday. And one of the things we do during the season is we contemplate the meaning of our own Christian baptism. I wanted to read just a short section of Walter Brueggemann's book on another way than our own, which is one of our devotional guides for for, Ad, for not Advent, but for Lent.
He said, I believe the crisis in the U.S. church. I believe the crisis in the U.S. church has almost nothing to do with being liberal or conservative. It has everything to do with giving up on the faith and discipline of our Christian baptism and settling for a common generic U.S. identity that is part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. The good news for the church is that nobody, liberal or conservative, has high ground. The hard news is that the Lenten prerequisite for mercy and pardon is to ponder again the, in, the initial identity of baptism and to listen again to the words that, that we heard at our baptism. You're my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Child of promise. You're called to live a life worthy of this calling, worthy of our calling in the face of false patriotism and overheated consumerism and easy conventional violence and limitless acquisitiveness since these forces and seductions are all around us. We have much to ponder in Lent about our baptismal identity. If you begin to reflect and to contemplate and to discern your identity as a Christian, you think back to that time in which you went down into the waters and as the Apostle Paul says, you began to die to sin, but also to come alive in the power of the Spirit, to walk in newness of resurrection life. So reflection on your identity in Christ. That's what we do. We reflect on Christian discipleship during this season. And in the process of doing that, we discovered what the psalmist discovered about himself. And he prayed, give me an undivided heart so that I may reverence you, so that I can walk in your ways. Even as the Apostle Paul confessed, he said, I realized that I began to, when I began to reflect upon my own inner life that there were many inner voices and desires and dimensions of the flesh that were in competition with, with the Spirit. And I needed wholeness, is what he was saying. I needed to sit once again at the feet of Jesus, clothed, having received the mind of Christ, being set free of all that has dehumanized me, and having tamed all those voices that sometimes meet in committees in our brains and give us one instruction or another, which if acted upon, lead us into the valley of death. There are many voices that shape and form our life. May this season of Lent be a season in which we listen for the word of Christ and do exactly what Legion did, bow before him, submit to his authority and power, confess that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord, 
And his is the work of spiritual transformation that impacts the totality of our life. I need that. After all these years, I need Christ. The interesting thing is that once we are given Christ, We have a desire to be with him, spend the rest of our lives with him. What we often hear is what he said to the former demoniac. No, you can't stay with me. Go back to your village and tell the people there who have known you what God has done in your life. This is the story of salvation. Touched by God's grace, filled with His Spirit, sent on God's mission into the world to share and to give what we have received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please join me for our responsive call to confession. Genuine repentance involves two things, the dying away of the old self and the coming to life of the new. The dying away of the old self is to be genuinely sorry for sin, to hate it more and more, and to run away from it. The coming to life of the new self is wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a delight to do every kind of good as God wants us to. Together as Christ's body, we now confess our sin and express our longing to live in joyful obedience to God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Amen. So we sing together, Holy God.
God's people of old put ashes on their heads as a symbol of the frailty and uncertainty of human life, of their need for forgiveness, and of their desire for renewal. And so we begin our Lenten journey to Easter with this same sign of ashes, a symbol of our repentance and desire for renewal. The ashes are in the form of a cross, ashes of deadness, only because the cross has given us new life. Our ushers will bring you a row at a time to come forward and receive the ashes. If you're unable to come forward, let them know, and we will come to you.
So we are signed with earth, with death, and with birth. These ashes are also a reminder that only by God's gracious gift are we given eternal life. In the name of Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. We bring to the Lord this evening our Ash Wednesday offering. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mine Will you stand as we sing that uh, together? Take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to be. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands. 
Let us pray. Mighty God and Father, you overwhelm us with your great mercy. At the time of our greatest need, you surprise us with your wondrous love. As you draw us into this renewing relationship of love, may we respond with gratitude as we offer the substance of our souls to continue the ministry of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight we remember that the Son of Man came into this world to seek and to save the lost. Those who need healing, those who need hope, those who struggle for faith and who struggle with doubt and those who know that they have fallen short of God's love and God's command. He came to rescue us, to restore us, to give to us his very mind. And over many years and into eternity to transform us into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. This is the joyful feast then of the people of God. It is by his wounds that we have been healed. The bread upon this table reminds us that his body was broken for us. And the cup reminds us that God has entered into a new covenant relationship with us through the sacrifice of his own son and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit which is given to us. For all of these mighty works of God, we give thanks. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we do give you thanks for you are our God and we are the creatures of your hand. You made us from the dust of the earth, breathed into us the breath of life, and set us in your world to love and to serve you. When we rejected your love and ignored your truth, you did not reject us. You loved us still and called us to turn again to you in obedience and in love. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who took upon himself the weight of our sin and carried the burden of our guilt. He shared our life in every way and, though tempted, was sinless to the end. In his death, he ransomed us from death's dominion. In his resurrection, he opened the way to eternal life. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Lead us, O God, by the power of your Spirit to live as love commands, as Jesus gave his life for ours. Help us to live our lives for others with humility and persistent courage until the day when your kingdom comes in its fullness. And so we pray together for the coming of that day, saying, Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and, and forgive, forgive us, us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. In like manner, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And as often as we eat and drink, we deepen in the transformation of Christ and more and more bear the fruit of his spirit and receive the mind of Christ that wants nothing more than to love God and our neighbor with the totality of our being. Our ushers will bring you a row at a time, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, commune, prayerfully return to your seats, and wait until we have all been served. Let us worship God.
Church, let's stand together as we sing, All to Jesus I Surrender.
in life and in death, we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Go at peace. Amen.